This is the Horse Radio Network. I'm Stacy Westfall, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show, the Western Dressage episode. Coming up on today's show, I talk with Diney Swanson about the new online show coming in June, and Ida Norris joins me to talk about improving scores by improving centerline and your salute. I have Diney Swanson, Executive Director of the Western Dressage Association of America. And Diney, do you have any news that you'd like to share with us from the offices of the WDAA? Sure, we've got a... a couple new things going on. Um, first, I will tell you that we have a as of yet unnamed online show planned. <laughs> um, so for the first time ever, we will be hosting two shows a year from now on, one online show and then the world championship show in Guthrie at its typical time in the fall. Um, the unnamed show, the online show will be kind of an international celebration, kind of the, you know, the same idea as what we did last year. Mm-hmm. And um, we'll run it fairly similarly to the way we ran uh, the online show last year. It'll be done in three phases and phase one, which is entries opening and closing starts May 24th. Ooh, we have dates. We have dates. You're, you're getting the exclusive dates. Um, and then entries close on June 5th. And then what we're doing a little bit differently this year is phase two, which is the video submission phase. That will begin as soon as you enter and you get the your identification sign. Mm-hmm. As soon as you have that in your hands, you can start videoing and you can start submitting. So there's really no start date to phase two. Um, except for, you know, the first day of entries, which is May 24th. And that entry uh, video submission will end June 18th. Okay. And then judging, which is phase three, will begin June 21st. And because it's going over July 4th, it'll end July 7th. Nice. Just give the judges a little extra time because most of them will, will be off judging somewhere. And that's, and we still have to name it (laughs) where we've, we sent out a, uh, a member survey asking for suggestions for naming. So we'll probably be announcing that in the next couple of days. Um, And we also asked for suggestions for unique awards because we want to kind of differentiate this show from our world championship show. So we want to give some different awards. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I got that email and I submitted my name request. I'll, I'll awesome. hold that and see whether or not, you know, it's the winner. <laughs> see if you're the big winner. Awesome. And, and uh, yeah, so that's, that's exciting. I'm glad you've got dates out. That's actually, it's funny. You're telling me um, those dates and I'm immediately, go- my brain automatically kicked into like backing into like, Ooh, I need to start prepping and picking and blah, 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 blah. I am like, Oh, calm down brain. You're in the middle of recording a podcast. It's probably not that dire need, but that will be very motivational. Good. Yep. Very good. good. And then um, one other little new thing on the, on the same theme as uh, online shows is uh, online shows have become so incredibly popular that they've kind of, 
the announcements of those have taken over our um, member social corral Facebook page. Mm -hmm. So we've actually started a new Facebook page for WDAA online recognized shows. And it's not a group. It is a public page. Um, So that's where you need to go to find recognized online shows. And we'll, we'll put that in our newsletter too. So uh, people can find that easily. And I'll also send you the link so you can put it on the, your page for the podcast. Awesome. That's great. I actually really like that idea because when I do get the urge to enter an online show, sometimes it feels like I have to go back through, um, you know, Facebook feeds and I'm kind of like looking around trying to, and so having them all in one place will not only clean up the conversational feeds, but it'll also um, make it easier to kind of just go search. I'm going to guess people are going to, you know, be announcing them by date and stuff. So the most recent ones should naturally float to the top and they don't tend to be conversation starters. They're more like, okay, when I want, when I want them, I go look for them, but I don't comment on them. I'm just kind of like, nice. I need that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And also all WDA recognized shows, whether they're online or in person, they can all be found on our um, calendar on the WDA website. That's a good point, you know, and I actually, I haven't, probably haven't used, I haven't, my brain hasn't switched <laughs> gears fully yeah. to the idea that I'm so used to looking at uh, like a, like a national place like that. I look yeah. more thinking, am I going to find one in my region? And yeah. that's not really a thing when you're online, like you can be any region. So exactly. I'm like, so that, I need to retrain that calendar is, is very useful because you can, you can use filters and search for just online shows or just in-person shows or just yeah. USCF uh, licensed shows. That is, I have used it for the in-person. I have used oh, it for the in-person. Good. I just hadn't actually used it for the online. Yep. So now I know where I'm going to go look also. So more, more stuff to look at. <laughs> yep. 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 Now that I'll make it through February, which will be the coldest month here for me. And then I'll be, you know, drinking get coffee, staying it. warm. And then, and then being like, I should really get my, poke my head out and record something well, in March since now I have a June show to aim for. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Very um, good. And then the last thing that's, very exciting for us is our membership education committee has been working very, very hard. And um, we have posted our 2020 online world championship show videos, which are the top 10 places in every buckle division or as many of those videos that, that we could get our hands on plus the actual filled in uh, test sheet from the judge so you can watch the video and, and look exactly look at exactly what the judge said yeah that is very thorough and you know when you're in there there's also the 2019 that are there with yeah. the judge's perspective and commentary and now you've got the 2020 with the videos and the test sheets right there underneath them that is a lot of education right there it's a ton of education. I don't think I said it's, or maybe I did, that it's located in the WDA membership portal that everybody has mm-hmm. um, under uh, learning management system. That That's where all of our educational offerings are. 
Yeah. I mean, I think that this is well worth the cost of membership alone as an educational tool, because when you get a chance to, I think sometimes it's like I, when I, even if I read my own score sheet and I've done this, it's, you know, similar to reigning in that you're being judged movement by movement or maneuver by maneuver, depending on which discipline I'm talking about. But what's interesting is that when you're as a competitor and you're learning, you're like, well, I got a, you know, I got a six on that and they got a six on that and they don't look exactly the same, but it's cool when you can watch a whole bunch of back to back and start to see how that levels out because you, you, you can see it, you can start to see the patterns of like, you know, okay, that had a really strong beginning, but then it got weak at the end and that had a really strong end. We could you've switch, it swaps up. Like there's always a beginning, middle and end of, of a movement or maneuver. Yep. And, and so I think it's really important to educate your eye by watching a lot of them with the judges sheet. And in, this is an excellent way to do it. Yeah. It's right here. So now we've got, we have over 200 videos on the yeah. learning management system for people to, to watch and learn from. Very good. Very, very good. Well, that is a lot of information and um, my brain still won't let go of like backing into this first major show idea. So <laughs> do, you, do you have anything else to add since my brain's uh, like struggling with itself? It's like, <laughs> or is that pretty much wrap it up? I, I, I think that's enough for everybody's brain. <laughs> <brain's> <laughs> Very good. Well, thanks again for joining me. And I will guess that maybe we'll hear the name of this on the next podcast. Uh, Yeah, you will. Very good. I look forward to hearing that. And thank you again for joining me. Thanks for having me. ProStride is the all-natural solution for lameness. It uses the power of your horse's own blood to relieve pain, reduce inflammation, and improve mobility to keep them sound. ProStride can be completed stall-side by your veterinarian in just 20 minutes with no need for trailering. ProStride is backed by years of science and success stories. Olympians to pleasure riders, trainers, horse owners, and their veterinarians trust the improved performance and lasting results reported with a single injection. No series, no daily supplements, and no monthly regimen. When every stride counts, demand the difference they deserve. Ask your veterinarian about ProStride. Learn more at pro-stride.com. That's pro-stride.com. This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com. Have you heard of Saccharomyces boulardii? It's a yeast, a type of probiotic. Often referred to as S. boulardii, it benefits your horse's digestive tract in several different ways. One unique property of S. boulardii is that it supports the stimulation of something called brush broader membrane enzymes that are found in the intestinal lining. These enzymes help your horse digest starches and sugars in the small intestine. When the sugars and starches are more completely digested, fewer of them escape into the hindgut where they can ferment and cause imbalances that lead to colic, diarrhea, and laminitis. Saccharomyces boulardii is found in Nalox Advanced, made by Kentucky Performance Products. Nalox Advanced contains a blend of yeast, fermentation solubles, and stomach buffers. 
These ingredients work together to maintain your horse's digestive tract and peak condition. Nalox Advanced is recommended for horses of all ages and stages and is fed on a daily basis. This Nutritional Minute has been brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. You can find all of their terrific products at kppusa.com. Joining me today for the judge's view is Ida Norris. Ida judges both Western and traditional dressage. She's a USEFS judge for traditional and a USEF small r judge for Western dressage. Thanks for joining me today, Ida. Oh, it's great to be with you, Stacey, and hi to all of your listeners. Oh, I'm, I'm glad to have you as a regular. So what I'd love to discuss with you today is a topic that you brought to the table, actually two topics. But the center line and the salute, obviously, we can hear that they're kind of connected. But can you tell me why you thought this was an important topic? Well, I hope you'll forgive me. (laughs) The first part is extremely, extremely personal as a judge. And the first part is that um, I was actually saying to a colleague of mine the other day, wow, you know, the salutes, people don't really salute very well anymore. And my colleague was like, I'm not sure people teach that. And then we kind of took this little informable survey. And I mean, of course, all of my students, because I'm a judge and I see so many poor salutes. And I said, wow, you know, what's up with salutes? And it kind of came to our attention that maybe in some areas people were not teaching it anymore. People didn't exactly know how to do it very well. They didn't even (laughs) know there was sort of an etiquette to it. So I'm sorry. It was incredibly selfish. I was like, no. well, I'm, I'm tired of weird salutes. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would, I, I could, I watched your video, which we'll talk about that more as we go, but like you made videos that actually complement both of these topics. And when I watched the salute video, two things that immediately popped into my mind were number one, wow, this is what it looks like from the judge's view. Because, you know, even my videos, if somebody videotapes with my cell phone, they're not standing at sea. And so I'm not seeing it specifically from the judge's view. And I know for sure my discomfort in saluting was probably a nine out of 10. And I was just like, oh, my gosh. And so I was watching yours and I was like, oh, this is so helpful. So, yeah, I'm I'm so glad. You know, one thing that we kind of forget is that it used to be, you know, kind of like a military salute in the beginning because it was military people that did dressage and they did put their hand up to their brow like they used to and then the hand went out and down, which is all we have left now, pushing the hand out and down away from you, which they'll see in the video, really good explanation what it looks like. But uh, that's all that's left of it because it's no longer military. But, you know, if there is an etiquette to it, you are supposed to wait for the judge to nod back or wave at you or whatever it is they're going to do. Sometimes they can't stand up anymore in the places they're in or they're ill or um, something's weird about their booth. And not all judges stand up and salute, but they usually wave, nod their head, wave at you something. They acknowledge you back. And one time one of my students moved off before the judge acknowledged her and the judge happened to be looking down. She spilled her coffee or some crazy thing happened. You know, just a human problem. And the judge thought she didn't salute and you get an error if they cannot see your hand off the rein. So waiting for the judge to acknowledge you is real important. And if they don't acknowledge you, 
salute again. And that was something I forgot to put in my video that if they don't acknowledge you, stand there and salute again, <laughs> get your <laughs> hand off the plane so that they can clearly see that you did it because you can get an error of test, which is cumulative. If you get three of those, you're eliminated. Wow. And, you know, so I, I never would have thought of that. I never would have thought of that. Ooh. Oh, yeah. And, you know, here's the other thing. Um, my judge colleagues and I were um, exchanging horror stories of judging the other day, and every job has these. So we love judging, but like one day I had a snake come up between my legs and through the board. Okay. I'm like, I am terrified. And I jumped on the box screaming. And the lady was luckily at X and her horse was really a calm horse. And I was out of the box screaming towards her like, whoa, whoa, like, don't go on. Stop the test. And since I hadn't, since I hadn't acknowledged her, we could um, decide that her test hadn't begun. And it was my fault that the test stopped. And she was very <laughs> Mind about it, and we just started her test over after removing the snake from the box. <laughs> so stuff is happening, and if they don't acknowledge you, they might be distracted. They're not supposed to be, and we're just human. But oh my gosh, they spilled spilled their <laughs> coffee. A bee is running around over their paper. Mm. Um, you don't know what can be happening in that box, and so wait for them because they might be distracted, and you want them to see that. And they're not being rude, and they're trying to pay attention, but we do judge eight hours straight, and mm -hmm. I only have 40 seconds between your ride and the next ride. So what happens is I finish your paper, and that probably takes a minute, and the next person's riding around, and I ring the bell, and from the time you come in, you have to get in there in 45 seconds, which means I only have 40 seconds of rest between tests. Mm. That doesn't even allow me to get a sip of coffee. So... It's real interesting, you know, so do wait for the judge to acknowledge you because you don't know what's happening to them. Well, I'm, I'm so and excited. In video, you know, in video, people have gotten to the point where they don't even judge us there. And um, it, is, it is harder for us to connect to you. And all of a sudden, I really noticed, because now I did 17 shows online last year judging, that I really want them to look straight ahead at the camera and acknowledge me because I don't, we want to, we want them to acknowledge us and we want them to feel like they're actually showing themselves to us. You know, it, it, I know it sounds crazy, but the judge connects with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and that's interesting. You say that on video because especially I know as you're saying it, if I think back to my beginning dressage journey, because I was so nervous, I honestly, until you were just saying it, I hadn't even really thought about like too much from the judge's perspective. Because I guess I just imagine you as perfect people up there in the box having the perfect <laughs> experience. And so I hadn't even thought about like you spilling your coffee. And I, in my rush to get away from an awkward feeling movement of the salute, I can definitely see where I'm, I, you know, would kind of just, and I, uh, you're in your video, you nailed it. You nailed the whole idea of like, like I put my hand like kind of straight down, almost like almost onto or like really close to my leg. And in the video, when you shot with the horse's head turns, like say the horse turned, if I'm saluting with my yep. right hand and the horse turns just ever so slightly to the right, I never thought about you not being able to see the release of the rain or my hand down or any of this stuff. And I'm thinking now that you said that online, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, like, if anybody's feeling rushed and they've gone out on a limb to videotape themselves at home for the first time, you st I had the same response as videotaping at home that I did at real shows. So I guarantee the feeling of wanting to rush would be there. 
Exactly. Yes. It's interesting that you said you were nervous saluting because I guess I hadn't thought about it in a long time and you just brought back a memory, but I started showing dressage in 1973 and I used to get to the halt and I can remember on my Appaloosa, my little tiny Appaloosa, I'd get there and I would be all out of breath and I'd have jello legs. My legs would turn to jello and I could hardly get forward because I was so nervous. (laughs) I haven't thought of that in years, Uh but you just brought that back. So what a cool memory. Thank you. (laughs) You know, that happens to competitors. They get to act and they kind of have jello legs and they're nervous (laughs) and, you know, not sure they're breathing and yeah. yeah. Take a moment and breathe because the other thing is, is regular dressage tests for classical dressage say that you're supposed to be there three seconds. Mm-hmm. We're talking about in WD of actually writing that into the test also because you'll see in the, in the salute there, you know, one, two, three, four, five, it, there's a count of five to get your hand off the rein and back. But if you don't hold still that long, there isn't much immobility for us. And we reward halts that are three seconds and longer. If your if your halt is less than three seconds, you can get dinged. Mm. And so that's another part of this whole, well, take your time with your salute because they want to see it. They want to see immobility. And, you know, I always say to my gals, all my gals that are between like 80 and, and 15, don't adjust your underwear in the saddle. I don't want to see you come up X and jerk your saddle sideways because, you know, tighten your grip before you get in there, will you? Oh, that's so funny. So, Inability is for the rider as well as the horse, you know? So, yeah. That You know, as you say it, it makes me think, well, yeah, if I'm standing there breathing, relaxed, doing my halt, there's probably going to be some carryover to my horse versus if I'm standing there either jello legs or really tight. Like for me, a lot of times I stop breathing. Like one of the words I repeat when I show uh, is breathe <laughs> because uh-huh. it's that, that, that tension of, you know, being out in front and being judged and trying to remember the tests and all these other things that are going on. And so that that it's a good reminder that that is one of those moments that's built into the test where you can, you could actually train yourself to take a deep breath right there and it wouldn't be negatively affecting the way that you're riding. It would actually positively affect affect it. So yeah, now we're kind of working backwards because I jumped us right straight into the salute because I was so excited about it, but naturally they definitely tie in with the center line. Can you give me the rundown on this, the the, the center line? I have to tell you the video again, excellent. When you opened with the number of center lines in each level as you progress, I was blown away. I'd never thought of it. It took me, yeah, I have to laugh because that's only my second video. And you have no idea that one paper took me two hours to generate and get into a video. (laughs) Wasn't it worth it, though? Because I was so freaking out. I knew this emotionally. I sort of knew this. And I knew, especially at Grand Prix, because, you know, I've written a lot of the traditional, but I never bothered in WD to count this up. And when I got up to 11 movements, which was more even than the Grand Prix, at level four, I was thinking, we need to, we need to nail this. And it is one of my bugaboos. Um, my students are so funny because they call me Miss I because a lot of them are from the South and from Texas and they're trying to be so polite. Miss I, Miss I, you know, you make us do so many center lines. Well, Yes, we do, because the center line, if there's 11 movements, 
if you don't hit that center line when you're supposed to hit the center line and do a leg yield, you're supposed to hit the center line and do a 10-meter circle to the left and then go down to X and do a 10-meter circle to the right every time you're not on that line. Accuracy. And the problem with an accuracy problem is that if you're in trout and you make the turn to the center line and you're inaccurate, you know, the judges are kind of like, well, it's intro. You know, this is the beginning of walk, trot, canter. And they assume either, you know, the rider's green or maybe the horse is green or people are new to this division or new to pattern riding. We don't, you know, we're going to be really, you know, generous and kind of be like, okay, well, this is your first time. But you get to level, you know, two. You've been doing center lines a minimum of two for all of these tests and you don't hit the center line, that gets to be a little bit more than a modifier on an exercise. Mm -hmm. I really don't care how good your leg yield is if you didn't do enough of it and because you didn't hit the center line, then it's kind of like you get marked down because, well, you're cheating. You made it easier for yourself, mm -hmm. and you don't get much sympathy. It's so I make my students change directions more on the center line than the diagonals as a trainer. Mm. They have to take the center lines. Mm. You know, it's interesting because um, I can't remember if it, I picked it up in a lesson or a book. I'm pretty sure it was a lesson uh, early on. Somebody said, you know, you really need to nail your center lines because they're a non-brilliance move. And I was like, a what? And they were like, well, not to be mean, but your pony isn't really like brilliant in all these areas. So you need to make up everything you can on non-brilliance moves. Can you talk to that just a minute? Perfect. I'm glad you brought it up because that's one of my big bugaboos is I want everyone to get an eight. And I give a lot of eight to tens on center lines all the time and judges will do this. And they're looking for it just to be accurate. So one of the interesting things about this video is it talks primarily first about accuracy and it doesn't talk. The second thing it talks about is whether the horse is in connection, i.e. on the bit and then, you know, energy and impulsion. Well, why? Because when you turn that center line, we see the horse dead straight on. And we are not so focused on it on the bitness because we're not looking at it from a sideways. We're not looking at it from the side view. So if the horse is absolutely straight and steady and in balance and accurate, you're, you're coming along really well. So it is one of those things, like you say, it's not about the horse's gait. He doesn't have to be extended. He just has to be in whatever connection for that level that he's required to be in. And then really stand still. And, and square halts are another thing. That's the, one of the next videos coming, how to mm -hmm. develop square halts. But, you know, you can do a lot of that on the ground and, like, um, showmanship like get the horse and isn't it wonderful about wd that we can give verbal commands and i have a verbal command to my horse to square up mm. and i've used it since 4-h you know when i was halter showing and i give that verbal command and that horse right to the right to the square halt hmm. and she knows she's to stand until i pick up my reins so also having a signal while you're standing for the horse you need a signal that says don't move Mm -hmm. And people are like, oh, there's a signal. Well, yes, you know, how about Western Pleasure and Trail? We put the reins down on the horse's neck, and if they can feel your hand on their neck, they're not moving. And you've seen people sitting around at shows with their reins draped over the horse's neck. That's the signal. 
for the horse not to move. They, you know, I never, I never believe in not holding your reins because I'm such a safety person. But I mean, that is a signal to those horses. And so having a signal to tell your horse to stand. So this is a non-brilliance movement. It isn't related to gait. It is accuracy is number one. Number two is, are you in the gate that you're in? But we can't see engagement because you're coming straight at us. And we can't, we can't see how connected they are as well. So the focus really is on accuracy in this one particular movement. And we have tiny little children and tiny little ponies and elderly ladies and great big horses and little tiny horses that can get tense. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, I, the video is very comprehensive. Can you run down some of the most common problems you see? Overshooting, yeah, I, undershooting, that kind of stuff. Yes. Okay. Well, overshot, when you pass, pass, you know, you don't turn tight enough, so you pass over the center line. And undershot is where you turn before the line and kind of drift out, drift out to the line. Some people never, like, it's heartbreaking when I see somebody give me a fabulous straight line with a square halt, but they aren't actually on the line. They're not between A and C. Mm. So they're not on the line. And that's, it's heartbreaking because they were dead straight and they were square, but they're not on it. That's a bad one. That's heartbreaking for the judge because we really are sitting there going, please, I want to give you a good score. (laughs) Um, Crooked halt, of course, all of us have had our horse cock their haunches sideways. I mean, we all have, you know, uh uh-oh, you know, haunches left again. Oh, no. Or the halt, you know, not straight, like the front feet uneven. It is much harder for a judge to see the hind legs not being even. And if you have a choice between the legs being absolutely lined up so that from the front it looks like one set of legs, but you have one back in the back, if you have a choice, you know, that's a lesser fault because if you only have a judge from the front, they may be only able to see those front legs. Mm-hmm. And if you go ahead and try to correct that hind leg and the horse swings sideways, you probably move down. Mm-hmm. So you have to make little decisions as you practice and as you go along um, that keeping the hind legs directly behind the front legs on the center line is your number one goal. And then your number two goal is, of course, to get them all even. Mm-hmm. But it, that's kind of a tricky one. Lack of immobility, that's one that really bugs me. I just, that's my little soapbox, I'm sure. But um, standing, I want a horse to stand. And I don't care, if, you know, I mean, I can put up with crooked and whatever, but it's really sad when a horse won't sit still for a minute for a rider. And either he's tense or or the rider's tense or that's tough. And wobbling on the move off and crookedness and wobbling is almost always that the rider is not sitting straight. You know, they lean one way or the other. They have more weight in one stirrup or another. There was a beautiful slide in there that, had a T across the rider and right straight down through the horse, which you could see not only was the horse absolutely bisected on the line because it was a line drawn through the horse, but a T at the rider's shoulders, which showed that the rider's shoulders were level and if the shoulders are level, um, the seat is level. And I realized afterwards I should have drawn a T at the feet because the rider's feet were level, Mm. which that's usually the problem for wandering off. And the last thing that happens on the center line is, you know, you get down there to G, 
and you're focusing on making your turn, and you lose your concentration of keeping the horse absolutely straight, and mm-hmm. so you let it drift right before you turn left. Mm-hmm. You actually fall off the center line away from the direction that you're going to turn. You let it fall out before you turn. And that's devastating, I think, too, because I'll have my pen all ready for a 10, a 9, a 8, and then they fall off the center line at G. And you're like, oh, no, I want to give you a really, really, really <laughs> Uh, I'm sure people don't know this about us, but we're always sitting there going, come on, come on. I want to give it to you. I want to give it to you. I want to give it to you. Mm Yeah, I I think that I think it is important to hear directly from the judges like this, because, again, like I'm thinking back and I'm thinking at most I'm thinking this is just is, is a super experienced person who is judging me and I think sometimes if we don't think about it we think judging as in like criticizing you know what I mean because it's like I I now know to think of it as feedback but I think if you don't stop and you're not super like conscious of making that a choice I now I watched my husband judge reigning for uh 14 years and I they I so I had the inside glimpse of kind of what you're saying of this like they want to use the upper scores. They want to separate, you know, make make a separation in the 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 group of people so that you have this more clear placing. But you know, yeah. a judge can only do judge what's put in front of them. And so, yes, I can, I can uh, definitely, um, yeah, see empathize. how yeah empathize with what you're what you're what you're experiencing up there. So you're really. You're really cheering us on silently, hoping the best for us. <laughs> Absolutely hoping the best for everyone because, you know, I ride and compete too, and it's, it's not easy. And I know what you mean about, you know, not breathing. And yeah, we all, we all experience that. We want to do our best. And it is hard when we're out there trying to, to do that. Uh, but, but judges most, mostly do want to cheer us on. And most of us are natural born teachers. And we're a little bit throttled in judging in that we get to give input, but we are not allowed to help you a whole lot. And I do know sometimes at the end of the day when I've seen some things that I I wished I could speak up and, you know, be a little more directive on their test and and all of the judging um, educators do not allow us to, they, they say to judges, do not write a writing lesson on their test. That is for their trainer to do. Mm. That's not your hat. Mm-hmm. And uh, we try really hard to make um, remarks that will be helpful, but not to get into our trainer's hat. We're always restricted from getting too far into <laughs> that hat. In that hat on, they're always warning us, don't get too far over the line. We cheat a little bit once in a while. We get real close to that line, but mm-hmm. we really try hard. But at the end of the day, sometimes we're kind of blue because there's people that we want to come along and we want to help and it's clear that um, with a little direction they could be helped and we're desperately um, picking our brains every day to make comments that are within the realm of allowable judging comments that they may be able to construe in a way that would teach them you know that's that's a real knack yeah that is a perfect lead-in because what I would like to invite you to do is we're going to take a little break. Would you come back and share some trainer's tips with us? Oh, sure. You can change hats and you can become the trainer for the training advice. How about that? 
That's great. <laughs> okay. Does your saddle pad work as hard as you do? With EcoGold's collection of breathable pads and half pads, you can be confident that your pad is putting in just as much work as you are. Shop now at ecogold.ca. That's E-C-O-G-O-L-D dot C-A. This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. Well, thank you for joining me again, Ida, for the trainer tip, because you hit us with a ton of information in the judging segment. And now I would just love to hear some of your tips about both centerline and the salute. So I'm going to just let you lead away with whichever one of those you want to start with. Well, thank you. I think, you know, let's talk first about the center lines because the salute's fairly simple, and I think that the um, explanation on the tape that we're going to link up to your uh, website is going to be awesome, and we'll come to that in a minute, but let's start with the center line. You know, if you think about it, um, until we go showing, I think the average person, we're just talking normal people, because I know you probably do a ton of them because you know how important they are. If you're real competitive, you're on this. But until you actually practice tests, and a lot of us don't practice tests until, oh, I'd like to go to an online show or I want to go to a show, they've been working all their exercises, but they haven't been thinking about the test itself. So when they start to think about tests, then they do centerline. I think the thing about a centerline is it's deceptively, uh, it appears to be deceptively easy. And so um, everybody's worried about the big stuff. Can I get Mm -hmm. my canter depart? Can I get my lead if you're in basic? Um, You know, I tend to fall out in the 20-meter circle, so, you know, my shoulder in isn't three tracks or, you know, the hard things. And so a center line is just like, well, that's just a center line. It's like making dinner. I don't have to worry about that. Mm -hmm. That's where we go wrong because the center line, you can practice hundreds, and it's not like canter pirouettes. You're not going to do your horse's hawks in. And I look at people and I say, you don't need me to actually do this. You don't need my the riding instructor. I Years and years ago, my second husband, who was a race car driver, he knew nothing about horses. And I make him stand at sea. And I told him, look, the horse has to be linearly straight. That means that when you look at him, there's zero bent. Next, he has to be absolutely positively on the center line. So you see A down there? Well, you stand at C. And if I don't cover up A and I'm not on that line, if I'm drifting anywhere, you tell me, and I have to be bisected, like centered on that line, then I would come to the halt and I would say to him, now, can you only see two two sets of legs from the front? Because if he can only see two sets of legs, like a railroad track, that means the hind legs are right behind the front legs. Now, he doesn't really understand about being uh, square, but he understood that the front feet should be at the same forwardness and that he should only see two sets of legs. So he's like, okay, I got that covered. And the last thing which was really tough for me at that time was I had a horse that had a little white on its face and the horse had a tendency to tilt. So I'd say to him, hey, you see that white stripe? It's got to be going up and down. It's got to be right (laughs) up and down. Well, Mm -hmm. here's somebody that knows nothing about horses, but he would stand there and let me do 10 center lines 
with a square hall and a moobah. And I would have been in the ring and taken a rake, and I would rake a center line. So if you take, like, mm-hmm. a gravel rake, which is maybe 14, 15 inches wide, that's as wide as a center line would be for a horse. And I would drag really straight the line between A and C so he could see really well. And I would ride 15, uh, 15 center lines mm-hmm. and, and get feedback. So it wasn't about, oh, is he on the bit and all this esoteric stuff, which you need somebody really good to help you with. It was the simple things like, am I bisecting the line? When I get, when I get straight, he'd say, Oh, I don't know. His rear end there, you know, his rear end there is out to the left. You know, <laughs> oh, haunches. He didn't know hawks. Right. Oh, her ears are tippy. Her ears are tippy again. Tilting. <laughs> you know, he didn't know the words. It didn't matter, though. Right. It didn't take so talented to do that. So one lady called me um, this fall, and she was trying to get ready for Worlds, and she was um, in a grass ring. And I said, I bet you don't remember. And I, I, she wasn't showing them. But in the 1970s, we used to ride in grass all the time. And they did actually mark the center lines for us. And they would take flower or lime. And hmm. they would make a line for us. Hmm. So, And if, if you were in a dirt ring, they actually drug the center line for you. Every 10 horses would be dragged. And they don't do that anymore. But I said to her, go out there and if, just be sure your horse doesn't shy at the line. You know, get it used to it, but make a line in the grass. Or I saw one lady, she had mowed the grass lower mm-hmm. in her ring. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, awesome. So these simple things to practice. Yeah. And even if the husband isn't there, you know, I will go out. I'll drag my ring up and down straight. Like a lot of people drag their rings round and round and round. Drag your center line straight with mm-hmm. your little tractor. And then if you have to get off and use a rake and then go out and try to ride. And even if nobody's there, you can start looking at that because you're the only one in there riding it and see, am I really mm-hmm. between A and C? And look at it from both ends. And mm-hmm. draw, a cross, draw a cross for yourself at X. And remember that you want that cross for to be perfect for the judge's perspective of where your halt should be. <clears throat> you want your front horse's front legs not further back than your seat. So anywhere from his front legs to your seat, you know, technically where his elbow is over X. Mm-hmm. And that you know, comes so far forward. I love that you brought up the dragging the arena. That's how I that's how I taught myself to do it. Because I just, we have um, nice fluffy sand for the raining. And I did exactly your tip with like, we'll drag, whatever which way we drag it, we always finish with the lines going the long way of the arena, which makes Mm -hmm. it beautiful because our drag happens to leave them very, pretty close together. They're probably only just like two, three inches apart, which means that there's always one that's perfectly going down the middle. And when I have fresh dirt, I always disturb it by doing center line after center line. I go down alongside, down the center line, turn to the left, down the long side, down the center line, turn to the right. Down, And you ride that for a little ways and you're going to have the answer to um, were you falling in, were you drifting out. And on both cut, like, as you approach the center line and as you said, when you get to the far end, that's actually how I diagnosed that I was letting her fall out through her left shoulder. 
a lot really? when I was turning to the right was the dirt on the ground told me. <laughs> Clever girl. See, you're very smart. And this is, there's a lot we can do for ourselves. We just have to think about it, you know, be practical about mm-hmm. it. But, you know, and I say to people, and, you know, I don't need to be, um, you know, facetious or anything or, or rude. I just look at them and they go, center lines are not rocket science. They're not. You have to practice a lot of them. And it's truly in a week, a hundred center lines isn't much in mm-hmm. a week. If you ride five days a week, it's not much. And let's say we're getting ready for a show and somebody comes in and we need to practice their center lines. You know, you might do 10 or 15 today. And when you get really good at center lines, and you know this, because I'm sure from what you're saying, if you've practiced this much, if I told you to go out today and do five center lines, after a while, a bad one is a seven. Mm-hmm. And maybe a, a disaster is a six five. Mm-hmm. You know, and it sounds weird, but for people that compete like me, I haven't had anything lower in a six, than a six five in I can't remember. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a disaster, a 6-5. Yeah, that's I a... Because when you do this many of them, they're, uh, you know, a so-so one is a 7, and most of them, you know, 8, you're riding around on 8s and, and higher. Well, and WD, we need those because there are the, all those other things coming that, you know, some little thing. You know, I had a connection problem in my shoulder in, or um, he changed his... Uh, pivot foot in his pivot, you know, the, the mm-hmm. tough stuff. Oh, the mm-hmm. flying cheese, he was late behind today. We need those eights on those that Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because um, I think sometimes that as you go up higher and, and, you know, I think you hear, I've heard this before, but living it always makes it more real to me about like, you know, always returning to the basics. We're always returning to the basics. Well, when I go up and I'm trying and I'm, I just had new, I just bought new mirrors for the end of the arena. So I'm okay. now riding and doing my shoulder in and I'm watching my lead changes and different things like that. Like instead of a video, I'm watching it happen live. And what is really interesting is that as I go to make minor adjustments in something that's technically like a higher level movement, like let's say shoulder in or a lead change, what I, instantly notice is that I'm now more aware of exactly what you said earlier, which was we need to get those haunches in that line behind the front end, which is what you were just saying is happening at your very first test you ever ride. This is something you're doing. But as you start going up higher, it starts to be like, you know, it would be really helpful in my shoulder. And if I really, really visualize keeping those haunches in that straight line and rode those while I'm moving the shoulder. So all of a sudden for me, I start to finally see that circle of what they're saying, of, of what everybody's saying when they're saying, you know, you're always returning a bit to basics, including the center line. Beautiful. Yes. Yes. I was coaching a judge um, this week that's junior to me, or I don't mean that in, um, I just mean like not as well licensed or coming along a newer a newer judge who's in her in her education program behind me and she was calling me about um, looking at horses loping up the center line and she said you know your videos said that once they turned the center line that you wanted them to be absolutely perfectly straight and I said yeah because <laughs> I'm waiting for the other foot to fall mm-hmm. and she says well 
how is that possible in the loaf? Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, you know, we all know and we acknowledge that it's much easier to keep a lead on a horse when you have some bend. And it is, in, it is possible to have the horse in bend loping on this straight line, on the center line, but the horse's neck and pull are bent around and maybe even some shoulder flexion, you know, and the horse may be a little, have a little flexion there. But I said, true collection, which is very, very difficult, it's very hard to lope a horse absolutely correctly straight with no bend mm-hmm. and speed. And this is the ultimate amount of collection, if this is possible. And she said, well, you know, I was looking at high-level tests, level four, and, you know, I saw a horse that had some bend, and I said, okay, and that, they didn't get a perfect on their center line. They might have got an eight, five, you know, they might have got a nine. I don't know what the judge gave. They had a lovely lope. They had a little tiny bit of bend to hold their uh, lead, but they couldn't quite keep you know, they didn't feel like they could keep their connection with the horse being and their collection with the horse being absolutely straight. But that's the ultimate when you get to the absolute highest levels. Do we expect it of every horse? No. And it doesn't mean that it's not satisfactory or fairly good or good. It's that when you get really good, mm-hmm. you can do it's possible to do this. And that's our ultimate that's our ultimate goal. But it was a great judging question for her. It was an education. And she was saying, hey, I see a lot of horses at this level that are still performing this way. And I said, yeah, and they're given, they're getting sevens to eight five. They're getting good scores because the rest of it's straight. They had a straight halt when they move off in the jog afterwards. They're very, very straight. So they were just having a little trouble keeping all of their collection and being completely linearly straight, which is the ultimate in collection. Mm-hmm. Yep. Maintaining a lead and having absolutely no band. Totally. And, that, and that was kind of interesting. And I said to her, so think about it, you know, if we were um, in level four, uh, for one, they ask us to uh, lengthen the lope on a half circle. And, you know, one of the judges said to me the other day, well, I wonder why we don't do that, you know, more, how come we don't do that on a straight line? You know, classical dressage kind of does that on a straight line. And I said, because they're using that half circle to help with the collection and to maintain the lead. Mm-hmm. And so this is a little bit, it's a little harder because of the geometry, but for the transition itself, the the down transition, because the horse is bent, we don't have any flipping leads at the end um, because of that. So it was a developmental thought, which I thought was really interesting. And she was like, wow, I never thought of it like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been really fun. And I would highly encourage people to watch these videos. So could you tell us where we can find them? Um, yes. Well, I think they're going to be attached to your website. Isn't that right? Yep. I will and- put them in several places. So uh, I'm going to let you say where you're going to have them. And then I'm going to add yeah. some extras. <laughs> Absolutely. And they're on my Facebook page, Ida Anderson Norris and Ida Norris Western Dressage. And they're on my website, which is Ida Norris Dressage. So, yes, please look them up. They're um, how to improve your center lines and the correct dressage salute, correct Mm -hmm. dressage salute, the two of them. Yes. And so they're on your pages and we'll make sure to put links in today's show notes 
and I'll make sure to put them in the Western Dressage Facebook group that I have that has, um, I'll put the, the, this podcast and then in the comments underneath there, I'll link to them. We'll, we'll put them all, all the places so that people can find them because they are excellent. And I'm excited to see what you're going to do next for a video. And I would like people to also know that you are available for online lessons. And I'm guessing you're still doing judging. Yes, a lot of it is lots of fun. Lots it's of judging. So cool. Yep, it's so cool to see people from all over. So, yes, thanks for mentioning it. I really enjoyed all of that. And Very virtual good. lessons. It's so much fun. It's great to talk to you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Total Saddle Fit has the cinch that you've been looking for for your Western dressage saddle. The shoulder relief cinch actually changes the position and angle of the billets to prevent the saddle tree from interfering with the shoulder. The center of the cinch is set forward to sit in the horse's natural girth groove, while the sides of the cinch are cut back to meet the billets two inches behind where the horse's natural girth groove lies. This brings the latigos from angling forward to becoming perpendicular to the ground, which reduces the saddle's tendency to be pulled forward into the shoulders. With horses that have shoulder interference without angled billets, it simply moves the billets back to keep the saddle further away from the shoulders. The secondary benefit to this shape is the cutback at the elbows. This gives more room for elbow movement as well and prevents galls in the elbow area. You can find the shoulder relief cinch at totalsaddlefit.com. That's totalsaddlefit.com. Thanks again to Diney Swanson and Ida Norris for joining me on today's show. If you're interested in hearing more from me, I have a podcast called Train Your Own Horse with Stacey Westfall, where I answer questions that have been called in and I share training advice. You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on the website dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search for Dressage Radio Show. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com.